All right. It's another edition of the Exit 52 podcast. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by two gentlemen, one gentleman who is now walking away. So uh, it's another gentleman. It's uh, Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, pal? Going quite well. Just got in my first round of the year. Got a quick 11 in and played into the darkness. Didn't have my driver because I cracked it the other day, but... Got in a few swings, few hacks, few good hits, many many bad ones. Need to get some some fitted clubs and all that, but it's going to be a, a big golf year for the boy. I'm I'm headed into my 30s this year. I'm swinging, swinging through my 30s. Yeah, you did always tell me you wanted to be a big swinger in your 30s, so I, I definitely like that. Uh, the other gentleman on the screen here is uh, Barstool Banks coming through on the uh, the Amazon Fire tablet or something of that nature. I don't know exactly what's going on, but how's it going, pal? I'm on a run here where I've used like four different methods of recording um this is a new one i don't think i've ever tried to use a tablet it seems to be going okay um better than most some would say uh kind of a veteran move by you there spenny to to stop short at 11 holes so you don't have to post the handicap on that um even though i guess it's out of handicap season but um yeah where'd you play need wood there we go Needwood. I had like a kind of a membership there a few years ago, actually. Oh yeah. I mean, I've I've played out there a couple times actually too. It's it's nice and uh, it's also a little bit of a bird sanctuary from what I understand. Not actually, but uh, I played there. There's enough goose shit to qualify. Yeah, I played there um, in 2020, and my friend was for whatever reason was in a big habit of saying every course we played was a bird sanctuary, and even though they weren't. So shout out to Eric. I did officially see a wildlife sanctuary sign, uh, I think, on the eighth hole. So I think he, he was on par there. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I stand corrected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I guess that's enough of that. I guess we, <laughs> we got to wade forward uh, through some choppy waters here uh, technologically. I'm probably going to cut this thing up and make it sound a little bit better. But uh, we're off to an uh, interesting start in that regard. Just like the Ravens have had an interesting couple days here, and we wanted to hop on and break it all down. Uh, a little bit. Spenny, I think you and I were going to hop in and record uh, and talk a little bit of Todd Munkin, maybe get a little bit deeper into some of his stuff and then break down the Eric DeCosta and John Harbaugh pressers at the Combine, um, which were fine. I mean, they were interesting enough, but like you, you don't really get a ton of those stuff, a uh, ton of good stuff from those to begin with. And then they kind of just went out there and they just read from the script a little bit. And uh, I don't know, like you, you would think that nothing would really come of that, but uh, some interesting things certainly did. But I guess that was all maybe before kind of happening concurrently with this uh, survey that came out on Wednesday uh, from the NFLPA. And basically the goal of it, I guess, is to grade each NFL franchise on different criteria. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and pull up a tweet from Cordell here that kind of explains it all. But essentially the goal is to just kind of rate player happiness, player family happiness, things of that nature. So pulling it up right now, the categories are treatment of families, food service slash nutrition, weight room, strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, team travel. And so the Ravens, uh, you know, they kind of came in middle of the pack here. I, middle of the pack here. I think they were like 17th overall. Treatment of families, they got C+, which I thought was interesting. Um, I think Marlon tweeted out that that was surprising. He's obviously got his family in the mix big time. Food service slash nutrition, B minus. They made some some serious adjustments to that this past year, so hopefully that starts to go up. Weight room was C plus. I thought that was kind of interesting too. Like the castle is kind of, you know, pretty solid. That was tied for 22nd in the league. Uh, training room was a C. 
training staff, B+, locker room A, team travel A. But the uh, major source of contention was strength coaches F-, dead last in the league, 32nd, um, about as bad as you can be, uh, literally as bad as you can be. Brian, what was kind of your first reaction when uh, you kind of came across this on the timeline? Well, my first reaction was to try to dig into um, – because I – everybody who is a fan of a given team was starting to grab all these screen grabs and throw the rankings out there. And I saw uh, where there was an overall ranking at one point and I went and I found the Ravens were 17th. And I think that was the first thing that startled me because I think there's a perception around the league and especially here in Baltimore, that this is a place that everybody wants to come to. It's um, I think that's, that's more of a culture thing than these categories that were there. Uh, but then of course you see that F minus you dig into that a little deeper and you see there's only two teams that had even any negative remarks whatsoever. I think if you sort for that given category, it's like a plus a and a minus for 30 teams. And then maybe Carolina or Atlanta or something had a D and then we had the F and I was like, well, that must be a Saunders thing. Um, I think slowly, especially starting with the whole COVID thing three years ago, um, that was a name that uh, people started to, to grab onto and shift some blame onto and um, behind the scenes, I didn't hear really much of anything good about the guy um, from that point forward. Um, it was baffling to me as to why they didn't let him go right then and there. Um, but they seemed to want to protect him just like they do a lot of guys. And I think that that's, um, it can be one of the organization's benefits for sure, but we've seen countless examples over the years where their protection of their guys quote unquote has gotten them into some serious trouble and um i'm not sure why this guy was protected as long as he was i think um if he was doing as poor a job as everyone perceives he was and he was graded to be the last couple of years um if he had been doing that before this COVID incident that would have been the perfect opportunity to get rid of him but they didn't do that so there's just a lot of confusion and I think frustration from people, um, you know, while there was, I think, some muted celebration by people last week when he was let go, um, there's some confusion as to why it lingered this long. Spen, you and I, I think, were kind of in the camp at least a couple of years ago. I think I had moved off it and you probably had a little bit as well. Uh, in the camp that like the Saunders stuff was maybe a little overblown and we kind of just tended more towards injury luck, but it felt like eventually a common denominator was rooted out and Saunders did get fired a couple weeks ago. So obviously like it felt like they had sort of nipped it in the bud, but maybe, and people were kind of speculating uh, today uh, with some stuff that we're going to get to that the Ravens were trying to get ahead of this report and trying to root this, this issue out um, at the, at the source of it by getting rid of Saunders. What was your reaction on Wednesday when it first came out, like before all the shit storm started here that we're going to get into. Well, like you said, I, I definitely thought it was overblown for quite some time because it's just kind of silly or ridiculous. And I think that and I wrote an article about it, but t like in that survey, 28 of the 32 teams received an A, like gave their training staff an A minus or better. So it just is kind of unheard of for a, strength and conditioning coach to not be in the player's corner favored by the players. Like that's usually the excited, happy, fired up, motivational coach 
in that sense. They're not guys that really ever in any high level sports, typically they're, you know, you'll hear a story here or there, whatever, but especially not at the pro level in baseball, basketball, football, MLB, NBA, NFL are causing tension or rifts or guys are having mistrust with the organization as a result of it. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I thought it was like, oh yeah, you know, somebody's got an issue with him, whatever, you know, maybe he's not the best, but it just is ridiculous to think that, and like Brian said, considering what happened with COVID, all of those things, that it was truly that bad. Like I didn't think it was even possible. So some, and someone's like, oh, well, you, were, you tweeted this back in 2021, whatever. Yeah, I didn't think it was possible. I was wrong. I thought no SNC coach could be that outlandishly bad. And not only was it an F minus in the survey, it was the biggest outlier. When you go through, you can filter the grades highest to lowest. It was by far the biggest outlier. If there was another category like travel, if there was an F, there were four Fs and then a couple Ds, and then a couple, it was gradual. But for 28 of 32 teams to feel pretty darn good, like that's usually your boy. If you're a player, the SNC coach in the pros or in like high-level D1 or mid-level D1, like, that's usually your dude that you joke around with, you spend a bunch of time with him, gives you some you know life advice, whatever. You, know, I, you think of Coach O, like that kind of guy. And it's just ridiculous. So um, for it to truly be that bad was, was a little bit mind-blowing. I think it still probably is, you know, slightly overblown and the Ravens were able to get ahead of it, whatever. But I think it kind of is a microcosm of it feels like and, and I hate when we say like since Ozzy stepped down, but since Ozzy stepped down, it feels like there's just so much indecision and they move so slowly in the direction of their process and the post Watson, you know, the Ravens had their plans with the Lamar Jackson contract and then the Watson monkey wrench gets thrown in or any sort of variable or monkey wrench that gets added to their scenarios they just move so slowly with so for players to be speaking out about a coach like that and in the mass that it's happened and then guys like even like max williams are liking all the tweets and current players former players uh it's just really usually no one speaks down on someone like that you know in in the league usually it's like yeah you know it was tough uh you know i, I wish the best for him but it was like no fuck that guy like that guy fucked me up so it feels like it was one of the m most terrible situations imaginable it for such a for something that's usually a neutral non-factor like the strength and conditioning program usually is kind of fucking self-explanatory to a degree like you just do what everybody else is doing so the ravens clearly and i you, know, you can blame John Harbaugh for sure. I don't know the nuts and bolts of how SNC coaches are necessarily hired around the league. That's something I'm not sure of. Like, is it just strictly the head coach? I know Chip Kelly, for instance, was a fucking nut about nutrition and personalized workout plans. That was part of his program. So I'm not sure if like Mike Tomlin or Pete Carroll are super into the process of their SNC guy when they're 10 plus years in. I don't know that part of it. Sure, blame Harbaugh. It is his staff ultimately at the end of the day, but it just feels like a, a negligence of your players to feel that strongly about someone. Like It's uncommon. It's rare. It's definitely concerning. Um, I think that in addition, you know, the comments about uh, Harbaugh not watching Munkin's film, like I think that's like funny to say or think about, whatever, have a good laugh wow. at him. Like, have jest. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, like, I understand that's funny. I think it's funny too. That uh, and I also, like, in all seriousness, ball. let's normalize that a little bit. Like, you, you know what? Maybe I don't have fucking time to get to everything, all right? Just let it's it just give not it. what head coaches don't, like, 
Like they'll watch a game, but they're not going and watching tape like that. They, they get cut-ups. They get information brought to them. They You delegate. You have other coaches that bring you stuff. But for that, DaCosta's comments, Rashad Bateman sounding off, uh, all of it, just a, a messy week. You know, does any of it matter? Who knows? Whatever. It's kind of fucking stupid take talk radio shit. But at the end of the day, the Ravens are just having a tough week and they need to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. They've, they've already made the moves. I don't. I don't know. They just are getting ripped apart, even like nationally now, and it's compounded by the Lamar Jackson contract situation. So I feel like there's some sweaty foreheads uh, and, and soaked T-shirts that are uncomfortable going on in PR and marketing and probably you know in the front office itself. Yeah, like well that they should be, and like I was pretty critical today. Uh, it's it's funny because like I went on with Glenn this morning on Glenn Clark Radio and. Uh, I don't know, like he, we were kind of discussing the contract thing a little bit, and I'm like, I don't really have a dog in the fight as far as the contract thing goes, but I was kind of playing a little devil's advocate. I was like, I could see why the organization doesn't want to do this and doesn't want to do that, and then all this stuff starts to pop off, and, um, you know, the Bateman thing is one thing that we can get into, but, I mean, I guess sticking with the Saunders thing and the injuries, it's like, for me, it's it's just like, what are you doing if you're not listening to your players on this kind of stuff? I, I'd imagine that these guys taking to Twitter. It sounds like they weren't listening to their players. Yeah, the and it's they, like that, I, they, that they weren't. There wasn't input. There wasn't the ability to receive that sort of feedback. Yeah, and what is this? Is, what is this leadership council for? What is all this stuff for if you're not going to listen to these guys on this kind of stuff? And there's no way that like this was the first time that all these guys came out and talked about this kind of stuff. And you know, I'm definitely more of a praise in uh, praise in public punishment and private kind of person but I don't know sometimes it takes something like this to really drive home an issue and I think you made the point that like they already got rid of him like they you know they got rid of Roman they hired Monk and things are on the right track but like you know when you have a, a toxic situation like this it sometimes it can be a slow burn to uh on the road to recovery and you had all the injury stuff come out today so Carl Davis former defensive lineman they drafted in 2015 I think uh, he quote tweeted Cordell saying, I was definitely a victim of the strength coaches to labrums and multiple pec strains. Bam Bradley was a linebacker who said five months post ACL unsuccessfully doing the same leg workouts as people with healthy knees never sits right with me, ruined me. Uh, and that that is kind of in keeping with what Derek Wolf was talking about, uh, the, the clip that I went back and retweeted today. And then Quincy Adeboyjo, the wide receiver, had the uh, the big tweet thread that kind of really went into detail where he said, Definitely ruined my career. Three-year season-ending injuries in a row after being healthy my entire career prior. Rookie year training camp, I suffered the same knee injury Lamar had this year. I was forced to practice three days later because I was a, quote, bubble guy. They cared less about treating me. Year two, I went through a full week of off-season training with the team just for a surprise text day before rookie minicamp saying they wanted me to participate. 15 minutes into practice, I tear my quad completely off the bone. Everything went downhill from there. Let's just say it's never good when the training room and strength coaches aren't on the same page. They didn't like each other, and it showed. Huge disconnect between the two, which led to multiple injuries for a lot of guys. No hard feelings, though. I still love Harbs and the organization as a whole. And that's kind of like, that's sort of a, a sticking point for me is where he does tend to separate Saunders from like pretty much everyone else, which I think is a good sign. Um, but you can't, you can't really let the Ravens and Harbaugh scot free off of this because like they, they should have, they should have noticed that if you don't like this guy, like it doesn't matter how good you think it is, he is at his job or how much you like him. Like you got to get rid of him. And like I said, Brian, I'm glad they did, but like it, it just, it's really a shame that it got to this point. And you're like a guy who you like your clicks, you like your, uh, your, your hot tea and all that kind of stuff writing for Barstool. What is What is your thoughts as uh, all this stuff is kind of just rolling out on Twitter all at once today? 
it was kind of like an avalanche. It, it was like right. who's gonna who's gonna chime in next? Uh, I mean, I saw even Mike Davis jump in, um, yeah. and just lots of old veterans. It made me just kind of do an inventory of of who has spoken out in the past, and I think Derek Wolf is the one that people would resonate most with, and I think that he was pretty heavily panned by the fan base just kind of dismissing him and all the things he said and we probably owe an apology to be honest um and then i think further back and i this may have been a lot more about the the uh, training staff and and medication and just things that aren't necessarily a steve saunders thing but eugene monroe you know six seven years ago spoke out about um some things with the organization that he had problems with um and I'm kind of surprised at this point that it hasn't a narrative hasn't been more heavily forced into trying to make this into a Lamar injury thing, which, um, you know, a few people, my mentions have for sure come for me, given what I wrote about, um, you know, claiming where's my hit piece on Saunders and where's my hit piece on hardball because I'm just a hit piece artist. But um, yeah, it's, you kind of hit the nail on the head as you kind of went with it, as you were kind of explaining everything, everything, every next thought I had, you were kind of right there. Um, stride for stride with me. It's just not a good look. It's good that they nip this in the bud. Now, I guess it makes you question a few things in terms of how they're um, internally, you know, taking player feedback. And I guess you could say that this is a good thing in that regard, that they're kind of being forced to, you know, be more reflective and um, Spenny, you can, I think you had opened a little bit with how there seems to be a correlation with the Aussie EDC turnover. I think you could also make a case that the Dick Cass departure is a little bit um, something to, to kind of take a look at there. I don't know that this Steve Saunders thing goes back as far as, um, you know, 2018-19 or if it's just the last couple of years, but um, – I don't know. I, it, it's just one of those things that makes you question everything you've thought about a franchise and how things are run over there at the castle. The yeah. world is shaking up a little bit right now. It is weird. It is. And I think this we is, talked this about is this Landover stuff. This is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we talked about this on our first pod that we did the other night with, uh, you know, with Taylor and Eric. And it's just like, this is not a spot that we're used to being in as a fan base. And we're not used to having to, deal with this kind of stuff for organization. And I'm, I'm glad to say that none of us are really trying to apologize for any of this. Um, not that this is really as serious as other stuff that the, even the Ravens have dealt with, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not a good look and it, it was obviously amplified by the Rashad Bateman thing where I mentioned the cost and Harbaugh meeting with the media. Uh, they did so on Wednesday uh, or Harbaugh did. And then I think, or yeah, they, they probably both did actually. Let me pull it up. Uh, yeah, so they both did, and Sarah Ellison tweeted out a quote, and like they were pretty, like I said, pretty benign press conferences. You didn't really get a whole lot of like new stuff out of it, but Sarah tweets out a quote from DaCosta um, talking about the wide receiver room, and I thought this was really interesting on a lot of different levels, um, namely kind of the parallel with the, tw- the 2021 uh, Liars Luncheon when he goes up there and talks about how... Uh, quote unquote, it's quite insulting that uh, people like aren't, you know, taking our young receivers seriously. And we have a lot of really good young receivers, blah, blah, blah. And then the official quote here, I pulled it up from Sarah. 
Eric DaCosta on problems drafting wide receivers. If I had an answer, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers. We're going to keep swinging. There have been some guys that have been successful players for us that were draft picks. We've never really hit on that all pro type of guy, which is disappointing, but it's not for a lack of effort. It's one of those anomalies that I really can't explain other than to say that we're not going to stop trying. We're going to keep swinging and hopefully at one of these points, we're going to hit it out of the ballpark. So it's funny because when this happened in real time, um, Hayes Gardner tweeted it. Uh, he's, he's out at the combine right now for the sun, I think. And I, <laughs> I just tweeted a picture of a uh, quote, tweeted a picture of Chris Davis with it, which Brian, I think you had some fun. Uh, with that and yeah it just it kind of felt like a sort of a benign thing that was just going to kind of come and go but funny enough Rashad Bateman wakes up and he has time today on Twitter uh, at eleven eighteen a.m. this morning um, he was still private and then he went unprivate I guess to allow this to get around but he tweets quote quote unquote how about you play to your player's strengths and stop pointing the finger at us in number eight blame the one you let do this we take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying and capping on players for no reason. Then he just kind of lets it sit out there. Like I said, he went from un- private to unprivate, and he let it percolate a little bit. Then he deleted it, and he tweeted out something to the effect of my apologies a little bit after deleting it. <laughs> Spenny, uh, he's our guy. What, what, are, what were your thoughts on this? I think you probably saw that tweet and read it and it says we don't have any good receivers to him and he's like I'm a good receiver and the reason I didn't get to show I was a good receiver was because I was hurt because you let Steve Saunders he's obviously seeing everything about Steve Saunders as teammates and friends are tweeting about it so he's like this is your fault not my fault uh don't like you probably felt disrespected and then the Ravens if you like I listened to DeCosta's press conference yesterday. I was in the car and I listened to listened to it, and I thought, like I'm, I'm I literally thought, if you take that soundbite just of that out of context, it is a slight to Rashad Bateman. I said, hmm, I wonder if that's gonna like if Rashad Bateman's gonna hear that and get pissed. I never thought he'd like go to Twitter or anything, but they've also spoken very highly of Bate, Bateman at the end of your press conference. They're like, yes, he's he our did. Guy. He literally did in this press conference. I think in your article in Baltimore Beatdown, you, I think you had it in there. Yeah. And he like, they've already spoken so highly of him. So I get why I get both things. I get why DaCosta said what he said. And I get why Bateman would be upset if he sees that tweet and didn't hear the press conference. And then I get why they probably called him and he was like, okay, you know, my bad. I'm just up frustrated he probably feels like shit because of his foot still. He's probably in the process of trying to like run and sprint right now and feels like crap and is a, has pent up anger and aggression and frustration. He seems like he's had that from the time of the hernia and all that good stuff. So um, I, I get all of it. And in DaCosta's regard of the comments he was making, he was just trying to take accountability. Like he said, I haven't done a good enough job. And then he can go and say, well, if the injuries and well, like whatever. So I don't know. It's just a bunch of talky, talky, talky stuff. It'll fizzle out in a week. There'll be another headline. Something else will happen. Lamar will get tagged and then everyone will talk about the tag instead. And the Ravens are just stuck under the microscope for really the first time I can remember. I don't, I don't know. When was the last time they were under the national media microscope and like people debating and having talk show takes and all that stuff. Like, Flacco, nothing Flacco ever did. It was like a running joke during the Flacco years that no one ever talks about the Ravens. They have the most boring quarterback ever. No one cares. Why are they never covered in the national media when they're in the playoffs every year? 
Yeah, it was definitely Ray Rice, and that's not a good reason to to that be in Ray the Rice. There we yeah, go. Yeah, and that's that's really tough. But which that's in line again with them protecting a guy, and it's like, hey, it got him in trouble because they just <laughs> went too far with trying to keep things in house. Yeah, that's a really good point. One that I hadn't even really thought of. But yeah, you're right. Like there's there's parallels to that too. I mean, obviously Saunders, it's not quite as extreme, but it's it does speak to that a little bit. And you made a good point there that like it's gonna blow over after a week. And we got a question here on Instagram from uh PCAS at 14. Will we look back at this time and laugh how much we are overreacting or is it a big deal? And for me, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna blow over and like we'll move on to something else. But I kind of think this is a little bit of a big deal. And I think this chips away sort of at, I think what you were hitting at, Brian, there of just an organization that is not used to dealing with stuff like this, that has a reputation for treating players a certain way, for taking that stuff to heart and, you know, treating their guys well and um, listening to what they have to say. And I don't know, just all the all the platitudes and, you know, things that I think are mostly well-deserved about the Ravens that people both here and in the national media kind of speak to. It's completely different uh, to what we see down in Landover, uh, like you also said, um, pretty much year in and year out and still ongoing right as we speak with the, uh, with the, ironically enough, they got the commanders got a bunch of F's and C's and they got an A plus for their training staff. Yeah. yeah, for their strength and conditioning. Oh, yeah, of course they did. They also, I think they did have Deuce Gruden at one point. I think he's with the Raiders now. But yeah, it's it's just funny like how I, Taylor Taylor had something to say in the group chat about how, to to the effect of what you were saying of how S&C guys, they're really just hype men. And I was like, yeah, like Deuce Gruden, things of that nature. Like it's guys like that that are just kind of caricatures and like you just want them to like bring a positive energy. And it just seems like Saunders was just this like fucking like hardo that was like bringing politics into the building and like, working guys until they couldn't walk as Derek Wolf said. And to, you know, Brian, where do you let, where do you net out on like what I was talking about there with the idea that it's not a big deal, like in the short term, but like in the long term, if more stuff like this starts to kind of chip, chip, chip away at the reputation, how big of a deal is that to you? Well, the, the whole thing right now is they're in a PR cold war and it's with Lamar, but it's, kind of with the general public as well. And I don't really don't know that they know what they're going to do with the, the elephant in the room there, but they need to try to win all of these little battles that surround it. You know, I, they, their credibility is kind of at stake um, on a daily basis. And for them to kind of have these little tiffs going on kind of around the same time that the big, gigantic happening is supposed to maybe happen, maybe not happen. It's just tough. Um, so I think they're right now they're on their heels where if they have to go around and, and trade this guy in the next six weeks or so, it's, I, I really can't wrap my head around it because it's never, it's just foreign territory for us here in Baltimore. It's kind of foreign territory for the organization. It's, it's hard to speak on because I I've never really been in this position where I've been so unsure, I guess, of um, outside of the Ray Rice thing in, in terms of where the organization stands and, and, you know, I, I don't know which way's up to some degree. Yeah. Spenny, like you, you made the point that it is going to blow over, but do you like, do you take stock in like the organizational reputation and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I think it doesn't really matter what I say. It matters what they're doing. So if they're, if they've gotten complacent in that building, 
in Owings Mills, then they need to figure it out quickly. And if it's complacency in John Harbaugh, then they need a new coach. If it's complacency in ownership, then Bashadi needs to look himself in the eyes. It can't be riding on the coattails. I mean, it's hard to say it is a big deal or it isn't. Again, I just think the Lamar situation magnifies everything. And if he was signed to a long-term deal, I think it all melts away. If he's traded, then every that that if there's some sort of closure to a new chapter, whatever happens. So um, it's up to them to figure out whether this is a bunch of fluff that doesn't actually matter or whether they need to make changes in many, many things. I mean, Harbaugh has been known for running tough practices. They pride themselves on that with the comments of Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst needing to be calloused and you would expect as big I think he said SEC guys like that because Hurst was from South Carolina to be callous already uh, goes to show, you know, they, they were running that, but this past year, because of the injuries they suffered in 2021, they changed their practice schedule. They took less contact than trying to maximize all the contact they can get. They've gotten suspensions uh, or practices canceled because of fines that they've incurred from having physical periods when they weren't allowed to at certain points in OTAs. And on top of that, uh, they have that kind of reputation for being hard nosed. So if it's negligent and if that's what's going on still, and, and that's still what they're pushing, then I don't know. It's a, it's a tough reality to wake up to, but at the same time, they need to quiet the storm a little bit for themselves. If they're going to continue operating in that capacity, then they are, going to continue getting shit for it and people are soured on them i think a lot of you know at least a lot of twitter and everything that goes on in that stupid world is uh super sour on them so i don't know it's hard to say hard to say one way or the other but if they find that they've been negligent in oversight and that they are incapable of recognizing that their players have that much disdain of a certain aspect then that's bad in any business at any company there's usually the ability to go to HR at a normal business. And if there's not a way for players to be saying, hey, I hate this. This is making me not enjoy my time as a professional. I feel like my career is in jeopardy, all of those things. Then they're failing themselves as an organization, as a business, as a company. And it's a time to wake up and get it together and shake it out. And clearly their reputation has carried them this far and that's run out. The, the well is dry of the Ravens are a classy organization that does things right. They are up against a clock with Lamar Jackson and they're up against themselves with everything that's going on. Hollywood Brown, Orlando Brown, J.K. Dobbins being upset, Rashad Bateman's upset, Lamar Jackson's upset, everybody's upset. So how do you regain control? And at the end of the day, you know, Harbaugh has had this team. It's been his ship in many capacities for almost 20 years now. And, you know, when's time? If they can't control their own building and control what's going on and what's getting out and things of that nature, then... I don't know. And the, the they consider they're like the CIA, man. Like they never leak anything. They're priding themselves constantly on being tight lipped and, and when they do, it's on purpose. And it's probably because of Ray Rice. It's probably because of Ray Rice. They feel PTSD of we don't ever want stuff getting out and 
all of that going on again and having to deal with that. And it probably comes from Bashadi, who was clearly incredibly frazzled and embarrassed and reactionary based on the Ray Rice situation and didn't know what to do. I mean, they had Ray Rice jersey sellback day at the stadium at that time, which like to think about a team had a player who abused a woman. So they had almost an event to like recognize that happening instead of just fucking quieting it down, like things like that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's all, it's a game. It's a game of football. So like all this stuff to me is not the game of football at the same time, but unfortunately it is what people are interested in. So we're talking about it for a long time. I know you're you're a big just football guy. You got to dial into the granular stuff, but occasionally we do have to unfortunately uh, discuss this kind of crap, and that's pretty much what it is. And like I think you hit on a lot of good stuff with the parallels to Ray Rice, and like God, it just it makes me feel like, and maybe this is kind of like a half baked take, but it's like, did they ever really like transition into the social media era like properly? Because that was right around the time when Twitter was starting to get really really kind of what it is now, and Ray Rice was the first time that I remember sort well, of that that internet outrage machine kind of like rambling towards something and just taking it down and rightfully so in that case. But like, since then it's only gotten Twitter's only become more of what it is. And like, I don't know, have, have the Ravens kind of been able to handle the PR game kind of as well as they used to um, before all this kind of stuff. What do you think, Brian? I think that they're handling the PR fine. I just think that they've got some loose cannons underneath the umbrella. I think that's really what it comes down to. I, just did like a quick Google to try to drill down on, on Saunders history with the organization. He was hired in 2016 to be the team's director of performance and recovery. He was like, Weddle's which is buddy, just kind of an ironic title given the end. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Think- it's kind of weird because just in line with what we've been saying the whole time about how this seems to go against the nature of what we think of the Ravens organization. This is the organization that it was five, six, seven years ahead of this very sudden um, debate that's been raging the past six months about field conditions and, you know, the surfaces and ACL stuff. They made that change to the, to grass fields, you know, what, five, six years ago. They that got was rid like of their forward thinking quick. relative to like the rest a, of the league. A brief period. Yeah. So it's just, that's just what makes it so baffling. Um, because this, you know, we, we can say all the things about the culture being one way and the organization just in general being very well put together, but this, but that type of example is kind of in the same lane as some of the things that are being talked about here. And yeah, you made a good point about us getting dinged for the practices and it's been well regarded that we practice hard and we practice long all those kinds of things. But there's been moments along the way where I feel like Harbaugh has kind of gotten it, or at least in press conferences where he's talked about rest a little bit more and how they've reevaluated all those types of things. And it's just strange to me that he continued to be included on this, um, Saunders, that is. And then this survey, I've seen some like conflicting reports as to when these questions were actually asked, but it was all relatively recent and there's been a fair amount of turnover on the roster since the COVID incident. So, you know, I don't know. There's, it's just, it's just crazy. I'm still talking myself in circles about how crazy it is that it's been, you know, 
two or three years since an incident that should have been enough to get rid of a guy. And he was doing a poor job anyways, one that everybody hated him. And it took this long for him to go. So I guess like temperature wise, I'm as close as I've been to, this is like my confidence level in hardball is probably lower than it's ever been at this point. Not to say that it's still not on the higher side, but it's definitely a chink in the armor. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And like, that's crazy to say, cause I'm as big of a John guy as, as anyone is. And I think you kind of are too. And, you know, making the playoffs and all that, that's great. But like, man, it only gets you so far. And like when you're going to be bowing out in the first round every other year, it's like, okay, well, you know, you better be taking care of your shit off the field. And it feels like they haven't been doing that uh, to the best of their ability. And it's all kind of manifesting right now. But um, I don't know. It's about 40 minutes on all this. You, you boys got any uh, closing thoughts before we close this out, Spen? Like Brian said, I mean, this is as low as I've felt about Harbaugh. What do you have control of? What are you aware of? How are your players able of able to communicate? That survey was not some light thing. It was 1,300 players divided by 32 teams, 24 players a team, like 25 players a team. And I would imagine if the NFLPA was going to do a survey, who would you survey? Probably vets, probably second contract players you would shoot for. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the process was, but – if I was doing it, that's what I would imagine. That way, you if more the more guys that have been on multiple teams will have two perspectives to say, wow, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, this team's travel is A1. This team's weight room sucks. This team's nutrition is great. All of those things. So um, I think, it, again, all of it is because of the Lamar Jackson contract situation. If that wasn't occurring, if Lamar was already gone or – already extended then i think it's kind of like oh yeah steve saunders sucks screw him you know whatever he's gone but now because the spotlight has been on them so long it has turned into a magnifying glass and the ravens are the ants on the other side of it right now they have to be feeling the heat they have to feel stupid they have to feel like upset frustrated annoyed uh and that they have there's, there's pressure right now and they're at the combine what was eric DaCosta's sentiment that the Lamar Jackson contract situation, he said, I'm spending all of my, t well, most of my time, which felt like he was catching himself from being like, I am not even, I don't give a shit about the draft, really. I'm fucked up trying to negotiate this contract. That's where I'm putting all of my time and effort. And me and Lamar are texting. Oh, great. You and Lamar are going gee, 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 on your phones. Lovely. That's that's lovely to hear. So um, I hate all this stuff. It, again, you know, it's a sport and none of this is sports. This is reality tv and you know I, I watch vanderpump rules i watch some bravo tv happily and i feel like it's fucking vanderpump rules nfl edition baltimore ravens season two so you're running a reality show right now get it together and i don't care about any of this shit as a whole it'll blow by we'll laugh about it in a year whatever no matter what happens but uh i'm not having fun i don't i, I am i actually am kind of having fun it is kind of fun I think, and what do we love, Jake? Jake, Brian, Jake and I always talk about how much we love the Cowboys. Like, we love the reality show that is the Cowboys. We always bring that up. We're having Jerry World right here in Baltimore right now. We're getting a full Cowboys experience. So those are antithesis organizations. And if you want to be the Cowboys, keep it up because you're doing a damn good job. Kind of a, it, we just need to get like the, the, the Jerry bus out there somewhere with like a big raven on it and get Steve in there just wearing like... <laughs> 
<laughs> wearing some like suit and just drinking Johnny Walker blue and like just regaling the media with stories. It's uh yeah, it's. And at the, at the end of the day, like if I'm Steve Bishotti, I'm having a fucking press conference. Like I'm going to say something about this. I'm going to, when I'm in Baltimore, I'm going to come back and address this. And, you know, I'm sure the Lamar Jackson situation is leading all of that. When that comes to a resolution, Bashadi needs to come dismiss. Like, it is his organization. We can hate Harbaugh all we want. We can hate DaCosta, talk about Lamar, talk about Bateman. He is the one signing the checks. He is the one that has stated that he wants to be like the Steelers and this model of continuity and all that stuff. So, Stevie B, it would be a good time for you to come set the record straight and say that we hear what that report was. We hear everything going on and we are working vigorously to like, if you want to quiet the storm and not be the Cowboys, it needs to come from the top guy. It needs to come from the owner. And it would be a good time for him to settle the waters and instill some confidence and uh, maybe even take a little pressure off of Johnny boy and Eric and let them go do what their jobs are, which is more fucking football related than this reality TV bullshit that we are existing in. <laughs> Thanks. What you have there? Do we, do we do a do we do a Steve Saunders jersey back by back day? <laughs> you got to think like John maybe would have liked to have that. Like, like he's just such a big Steve guy. Like he he needs to have the uh, the Steve hive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That maybe I should walk out of the room like George, just leave on top on that one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It would be he's he's backed away so much, Bashadi has. So it would be surprising for him to do something like that. But that almost is the point, you know? When you come out and you say you come out of the darkness and you you come out and say your piece and set the tone at the top, like I don't know. I I think for a lot of months we've been clamoring to hear more from Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh about these types of things. And um now that we're getting it, we're just getting the same stuff over and over. So maybe, maybe Bashadi's the one we want to hear from. I don't know. I don't have answers. I'm not in the PR business, but um, things don't feel great right now. I think I, I think I wrote an article for Beatdown, like saying that Bashadi should meet with the media after the season ended, because like that always felt like a really nice salve for like uh, a season ending a tough way, which most of them really do, frankly. Like, and. I, you know, I think it got met with criticism in the comments section on on that side. I'm not sure how like other people would feel about it, but it just feels like he has that calming presence. He speaks in a very frank fashion, and like he's not afraid to like kind of say what he's what's on his mind. And he'd spoken at the owners' meetings a little bit last year, so I think that was nice. And like, I don't know, it, it just it does feel like that he would be sort of that that guy to set the records straight a little bit and kind of calm things down. And especially with to your point how DaCosta is just kind of all wrapped up in this other stuff with the contract and who the fuck knows what's going on in Harbaugh's head right now. I, I certainly have no idea. Uh, but yeah, weird, weird times. I, uh, I guess we can close it out on that unless you guys got anything further. It's yeah. just a continuation of the suck of, you know, feeling like a playoff game wasn't exciting and all that good stuff. So can't wait for a resolution to Lamar Jackson, the franchise tag. I would expect a resolution here. It is March 2nd as we are recording. There pretty much has to be a resolution five days before the draft when his franchise tag fully turn. If they use the exclusive, it will fully turn into 45.6 million against the cap on that day. It will carry 32.6, I think, through that day, no matter regardless of whichever they use. So 
with that resolution, they can move on to whatever the next chapter is with Lamar Jackson, without Lamar Jackson. And until then, I think it's going to be more of the same and we're just going to have to deal with it. So it, uh, it, it hopefully is over soon. It should be over by then and we'll deal with the fallout in one direction or the other. But uh, I mean, get something done, man. They, they, tr- this process stuff is great until you show that you're indecisive. And one of my favorite adages, as cheesy as it is, is sometimes the wrong decision is better than indecision. And it feels like they are deep into indecision where it's you're not going to get it perfectly right. So get something fucking done. Move confidently. Take back control of your organization and make this a place that it's supposed to be. Definitely. I'll just say I don't know that we can rule out the possibility that something is already done and is just going to show up on whatever April, whatever, during the first round. Who knows? Could be. Wouldn't stun me. Could be. It would stun me, but it wouldn't, you know, you get it. I don't, like, if that is to happen, they're going to have to make serious moves. We can get into this on another episode, but they're going to have to cut Clark, cut Gus Edwards, cut, they, they won't be able to sign anyone of any value beyond like a $5 million cap hit for like their biggest signing of 2023 would have to have probably a $5 million cap hit in 2023 or less. So if they clear the cupboards out and do all of that, then they can get to the draft and then trade Lamar Jackson and then hope to make moves after the draft, whatever. But uh, I think if we see them do anything relatively normal in free agency, which is coming in hot after the combine, the NFL machine never stops. They do a great job with it. Then um, they they will have a resolution of Lamar Jackson by then. So we're almost out of the weeds. We're almost out of it. We're in the home stretch here. It's uh, you know hitting out of a, a dirty, muddy river right next to a bunker in a, a filthy course in March. You know so, what? Sometimes that's gotta, where birdies. Got to get got to get that that shot out. Sometimes that's where birdies come from. You know, strange places. So. All right, gentlemen, I think that was that was a good 45 minutes, a tight 45 on the uh, shit show that was Ravens Twitter on March 2nd, 2023. Happy birthday to one Mary Luke, by the way. Um, Got to get that. Lovely lady. Yeah, sure is. Um, Jake, you go make her some tea. I will, actually. She uh, is probably going to text me about it in a minute here. So I'll get to that. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. It was a, a fun chat. I would say as always, but this is kind of our first time doing this in like, <laughs> what, three, four years uh, the three of us just like podding together. Um, cause I think we only had you on as a, like a guest, like technically once other than the, uh, the post draft live shows that we would, that we would pop you in for. So that's kind of funny how that worked out, but yeah, yeah. You and Taylor. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's funny. We're in cahoots now. How about that? Speaking of being in cahoots, everyone should get in cahoots with our Twitter accounts. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Luke. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. You can find Brian at Barstool Banks, uh, and check out all our other stuff going on. We got uh, X of Fifty Two Podcast on Twitter, uh, X Fifty or the X Fifty Two Podcast on Twitter at X Fifty Two Podcast on Instagram. Check out our website, the X Fifty Two Podcast dot com. Got some uh, some blogs going up on there. I think I've wrote a couple things already at this point. Some uh, some fun stuff in the works over there, and uh, we're going to integrate the pod as well. Um, really appreciate everyone. Uh, with the kind words uh, uh, of, and shows of support throughout the week here as we launch this new venture. And um, yeah, I think it was a, a really good time to do so because goddamn, there's a gold mine of content to work from from a Ravens perspective. Not all fun as a fan, but uh, gives you something to talk about at least. So there's that. 
Uh, thank you guys for tuning in on this Friday. We will talk to you again with the flagship show. Uh, and then uh, obviously a little bit more me and Spenny stuff uh, next week. Uh, until then, we'll see you. See you.